if that was a trailer on Netflix, I think I might watch the first episode. The bass response on that alone is worth like the two minutes. Like, does, does everyone in the front section feel like your heart chest, your, your, your chest like move during that part? It's amazing. Um, the standoff. This is, this is a series uh, that we started last week that is about kind of changing our perspective of God and changing our perspective of people. And um, if you're in the room today, then you might call yourself a Christian. You might say, I'm a Christian. And uh, Jesus actually, when he was on earth, he never actually said, hey, I want you to be a Christian. He actually never said, hey, be a Christian. I want you to be a Christian. Come and be a Christian. He actually, in the Bible, the word Christian is only a couple times, and it's negative. It actually is like, oh, those Christians. He actually says, come be my followers or my disciples, a follower of me. And so we're not supposed to just be Christians, just kind of in a category. We're supposed to be followers of Jesus. We're supposed to be um, disciples of Jesus, which really means that we kind of emulate who Jesus is. And what can happen is, is even if you still kind of call yourself a Christian, and then you've like moved over and like, now I'm a follower. Like I read about Jesus. I know about Jesus. I try to do what Jesus did. Like I try to live my life out the way that Jesus told me to, the way that he modeled it in the scriptures. Like I want to be a follower of Jesus. Pretty much want to say what Jesus said. I want to do what Jesus did. I want to think how Jesus thought. Then you might get to that point where you grew up in church or maybe even like if you just go to church once a month or you go to church once a year and you hear the story of the cross, you hear the story of resurrection at Christmas and Easter time, Easter time you kind of hear the big ideas. You might get to the point as a follower of Christ, maybe a distant follower of Christ, maybe a, a casual follower of Christ, you might get to the point where you say, I think I've got this down. I think I get it. Now, if you grew up and you, you've grown up in the church, then you definitely have had moments where you're like, Christianity, I got this down. I get this. Like, I understand. Like, I could answer the test, and when I get the test, I do the right things. Now, when you say that you've got it down, and you also say that, that Jesus' calling is to emulate him or to be a follower of him, then you have to start looking at some big ideas. And, and there's just three big things that really kind of, if, if I had to like sum up what it means to be a follower of Jesus, what, what it really looks like, and you would have to say, check, I got that, then it would be these three, these three things. The first one is grace. Okay, grace. So you go, okay, yeah, do, do you understand grace? If you're a follower of Jesus in here, you go, I, I understand grace or I don't. Grace is the idea of giving people what they don't deserve. Giving people what they don't deserve. It starts with Jesus, he gave us what we didn't deserve by dying on the cross for us. So it's the ultimate display of grace. And if you grew up in the church, then you, you gotta be thinking like, I got that down. Like, I, I do that. I constantly give people what they don't deserve. I, I, you know, I give, I give people my time, you know, I give people my money, and it's just like I give people my, my space, and it's like I, I have people around me that, that are, you know, I don't think they're quite as good as me, or they, they don't act the right way, and I still give them grace. I give them what they don't deserve. And you go, I kind of get this. And maybe you've had tension over that. We're like, man, I, I, I don't know if I should do that. But, you know, Jesus did that, so I'm going to follow Jesus. So you might go, okay, yeah, I get grace. Another, another key thing for a follower of Christ is forgiveness. Forgiveness. So you're going, if you're in the room and you say, I follow Jesus, I love Jesus, like Jesus is my all in all, then that means that, like, forgiveness is like a term that you just get. You just, like, totally understand it. And you've, go you've gone through multiple seasons of life where you've forgiven people where you literally have, have figured out how when someone offends you, to let them go, to let it go, and to not let it affect the way you feel inside, and to still treat them as if they didn't offend you. That's really kind of where forgiveness 
it ends up. You maybe go through the motions of forgiveness where it's like, I'm going to do the right thing even though I'm not feeling it. And then eventually, because of grace and because you're a Christ follower, now, now it's like, I forgive people. And another big one is if I had to put it into three, is like, so you have grace. Jesus gave us what we don't deserve, so we give people what they don't deserve forgiveness. When someone hurts us or offends us, it's an opportunity to forgive. And that's a picture of, of Jesus. You know, it says that he forgave us that he forgave us when we were still sinners, that like he just chose to forgive us. And then the third one, if, if I had to sum up following Jesus into three big words and you go, I get this, I've got this down, then I would say it's humility. Humility. See, humility comes from like this place where you realize that you have your own issues, that you, you have your own problems, and that you stand before a holy God and as a Christ follower or you stand before Jesus and you go, I definitely have a lot of work to do. I definitely have a lot of work to do. Like, I have a lot of ground to cover in terms of, like, living this thing out and completely understanding it and, 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 and being obedient. And then you also understand in humility, it's like who you really are. Even in your, your greatest moments, even when you're at your best, even when you're, like, doing the best you can, you're thinking the best you can, you're behaving the best you can, you still kind of have, as a Christ follower, this humility that goes, Jesus is God. Like, he is, like, way above me. He is, like, so up there, and I'm, like, down here. Like, it doesn't mean I'm not valuable. It just means, like, man, the difference between me and God is so great. He's so good, so I get humbled by that. Almost like, wow, God. And then when you start to think about Jesus loving you anyway, being God and you being his creation, then you kind of get to this place where if you've grown up in the church or you've developed as a Christ follower, that you understand humility. And these are like the three things that like, if you're in the room and you're a Christ follower, like you should be like, I get that. Like I got that down. I give what grace, I give love to people that maybe don't deserve it. I forgive people that have offended me and I understand who I am in relationship to God. I mean, maybe I should just stop there, right? It's like, whoa, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. Hold on, hold on, Joel, hold on. Those are big. This is big. You see, and it's one thing to come to church and be reminded and hear a message about grace, give people what they don't deserve, and hear a message about forgiveness and just kind of, come on, guys, forgive somebody. Just, just take a minute, let them go, man. Stop treating them that way. Come on, can we get humble? Can we see God as he really is? And you go, yeah, you know what? That was a good refresher. And you walk through life and you go, I think I got this. I think I figured this out. I think I understand Christianity. But see, here, here's where this actually matters. is when somebody around you or something in the world actually challenges these things. It actually makes it that, ooh, grace, mm, you start thinking, they don't deserve that. Like you understand it and you just get to the point where like, ooh, no, 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 I can't. No, no, no. When they did that, they, they, they crossed a line. Like, I cannot give any grace for that. I can't. They don't deserve it. And then as a Christ follower, everything you know about grace gets challenged. You know, you see, you see certain things on, on, on TV, and you go, ooh, mm, 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 no way, man. I got no grace for that. And as Christians, like, we even say it. Like, we joke about it. We sit around, and we talk, and we'll be like, dude, I have no grace for those people. I have no grace for those people. Even in church, like as a church team, people come in here and there's you guys, I'm talking about you guys, the people like you're not in the room. People come in here, uh, people come in the church and they got all kinds of like weird stuff. Like some of you guys just are weird, like just totally wacky, like just out there. And some of it's like fun and good and some of it's like, ugh, like we don't know what to do with it. And sometimes you come with your stuff and we're just like, dude, I got no grace for that, bro. 
I don't know what to tell you. I don't know how to, I mean, as, as, a, as a leader, I get to that point. And some of us, like, we understand forgiveness. We go, oh, the cross, Jesus. Yeah, Jesus on the cross. But then when, like, something happens in our life, like, we get really hurt when we're, like, like little. And we, like, learn about it later. Or someone, like, like, strategically offends you. Like, you find out that someone, like, had a conspiracy to, like, hurt you. Even as an adult, you're just like, ooh, can't let that go. Right? And then you just figure out, and you go through times in your life where you're like, I get something. Like, you look around, and you're like, I'm, I'm, I'm better than them. I'm smarter than them. Like, I, I, I don't, I'm humble. Like, God made me that way. But, but actually, like, you look around, and, like, in your mind and in your heart, you're like, I'm better than them. If you're honest, right, you don't say that out loud because you grew it you know you're not supposed to, but in your heart you do. And there's just this thing that happens when we go like this. Now they've gone too far. You see, as Christians, we have these, these situations where, where we have grace to an extent. We have forgiveness to an extent. We have humility to an extent. But then there comes a point for all of us where we go, no, that, that just crossed the line. That just crossed the line. When it has to do with kids and babies, when it has to do with when we were little kids, when it has to do with, with people really stepping outside of what everyone agreed to, like breaking the code, betrayal, ooh, no, now they, they don't, no, that's not good, I have no grace, I have no forgiveness, and I'm better than you. I'm better than you. And the story of the standoff is to take all of us to that line, to that line where it's like, They've gone too far, and how much more grace, how much more forgiveness, how much more humility are we going to have if we call ourselves Christ followers? How much more are we going to have when people actually cross the line, whatever that is for you, where they've gone too far? And you understand grace in a concept, and you divvy it out a little bit, and forgiveness and humility the same way, but then when they do that, now, now, uh-uh. They're guilty. They do that thing, right? Come on, you, you know what that thing is, right? It's just like, ugh, I can't, I can't tolerate that. I can't forgive that. I'm better than that. I have no grace for that. Without going into recent stuff, I remember when all the stuff came out at Penn State and the coach that did the things to the kids at the camp. Mm, my heart went there. Come on, just be real, right? My heart went to, ooh, that's too far, man. That he just, like, I have no grace for that. I have no, no forgiveness for that. And automatically I get puffed up. I'm better than that. And it doesn't mean that, that what happened wasn't heinous and horrible. I'm talking about where I was. What I did in that moment was I went from a follower of Christ to a follower of Joel. I went from, a, from emulating the person of Jesus Christ to, to actually just becoming um, a project of my own devices and my own desires. And when you start to look at the list of things, the list of things that can push us over that line to where we don't have any grace, forgiveness, or humility for, there's so many things that we allow us to take us there, but if there was anything that was like the thing that like you couldn't have it go over, it would be the stuff that we would all agree are the top 10 things, things that are maybe the 10 commandments, the top five things that you're not supposed to do. Murder. Ah, I don't have any more. And the story of the standoff is in one of those top 10 things that God said no one is supposed to do 
a woman gets caught in adultery. And the Pharisees bring her to Jesus to see where Jesus' line is. Where does grace stop for Jesus? Where does forgiveness stop for Jesus? Where does humility stop for Jesus? If it was ever going to be, it would happen in this moment when one of the top ten were broken. Let me remind you of the story. They bring her. She's caught in adultery. Jesus says, let anyone who is without sin be the first to throw the stone. And then at this, those who heard began to go away one at a time. The older ones first. So the older ones are like, oh, there's no end. There's no end to Jesus' grace. No end, no end, no end. Man, we're, we're guilty. Wow. One at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? He says, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? I want to look at this word right here, condemned. Jesus has a conversation with this woman as she is for sure caught in the act of adultery. And he challenges the men that they have the same sin as she does, the same level of sin as she does. And then Jesus looks at her and goes, no one has condemned you? After I said what I said to them, has anyone condemned you? And when he says the word condemned, what he means is, has anyone of these men that are accusing you, after I've told them what I've told them, do they still think you are guilty? Uh, do, do they still think that what you did crossed the line? Do they still think that what you did is unforgivable? Do they still think that what you did should be punishable by death. You see, the word condemned in this time, in this era, was just an idea of negativity, an idea of guilty, that person is guilty. But when someone would get condemned, it would mean that their guilt before God called them unrighteous and worthy of punishment. And in this word, when Jesus says it, he's talking about both. Do people just view you as more guilty as the rest of them and are you, because of your sin, up for punishment by death? Has no one condemned you? When he says, has no one condemned you, what he's saying is, this is what all of us do. When we don't get perspective, we all, every single one of us, we turn grace forgiveness and humility end and we push someone to the other side of the room and say I'm better than them I can't forgive them I can't give them grace and ultimately in our hearts we condemn we call someone guilty guilty is charged and we separate ourselves from them Jesus says after I ask what I ask has any one of them pushed you to the other side of the room, said that you can't receive grace, that you can't receive forgiveness, that you can't receive a humble spirit. And she says this, no one, sir. No one, sir. No one, she said. 
No one has done that. When you said what you said, Jed, when Jesus, when you leveled the playing field, when you brought grace, forgiveness, and humility into this conversation, he who is among you with no sin, go ahead and throw the first stone. When that was said, Jesus, they all looked at me and they saw themselves. And they were gonna condemn me. They, they did call me guilty. They did say that I had crossed the line and couldn't be brought back. And now, no one condemns me. Those men with great sin, didn't condemn her. And then Jesus says this, then neither do I condemn you. Come on, come on. You grew up in the church, take, take a minute, just, just please, if you grew up in the church, can you just take anything you learned about Jesus and just move it over here for a second? I'm not saying that it's all bad, most of it's good. But can you just take any of it and just look at this in impurity? Just look at this for the first time this morning. Then neither do I condemn you. Jesus in this moment says, I don't condemn you. Now, when he makes his first statement, he basically draws the line and says, there's all of you and you all have a limit to your grace. You all have a limit to your humility and your forgiveness. You are all sinners who sin and I just leveled the playing field and now they looked at each other, the woman and the men, and they went, we're the same and they had bricks in their hands and they dropped them because they went, oh, I'm just as bad. I've crossed the line. There's a limit to my love and my grace. and my, there, There's a limit to me. And Jesus stands. You've got to get this. Now there's a picture of just a woman and just Jesus, and they're standing across from one another. And if there was ever a moment when one person who had limitless grace, forgiveness, who was the best person in the world, who had no sin, could stand righteous across from a woman who is full of sin and say, you know what? You're on the same side as them. Jesus, if anyone could have, he could have picked up the stone and stoned her. He's the only one. He's the only one who was completely guilt-free. He's the only one who hadn't done that thing wrong. He's the only one that has no limit on his grace, forgiveness, and his, his humility, which makes him holy and perfect, which makes him completely different from us. And he basically goes, hey, you are the same as each other. You're all sinners, and I'm over here. And then in one sentence, he actually does the same thing as the men who are full of sin. Has no one condemned you? No, sir, then neither do I. Jesus in that moment regulates himself to this forgiving spirit. Even though he has everything in control, even though he's fully God, even though he's fully perfect, even though he's fully innocent, and even though she completely crossed any line, he goes, no, 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 no. There's no end to mine. There's no end to my love. There's no end to my forgiveness. There's no end to my humility. I love you, I am here for you, I have everything for you. Look, the one, the one with no sin doesn't condemn. The one with no sin, everyone else, all of us are sinners. He draws the line, 
He who is no, with, with no sin, let him throw the first stone. Oh, I can't do that. I have sin. And Jesus goes, now I'm the only one. Now I'm here. I'm here and you're there. And he doesn't condemn. The one guy. Can we just get like a radical, fresh look at Jesus Christ this morning? Like for all of us that are followers of Jesus, like does this define Jesus for you? Perfectly sinless, holy and righteous, good and in every way, still not the one to pick up the stone across from those who are full of sin. The only one with no sin. Jesus stands off and he is good and they are bad and we are bad and he is completely separate and he goes, I don't condemn you. I don't condemn you. I don't call you guilty. I don't send you to be executed. I don't condemn you. You see, the Bible teaches over and over and over again, especially in the words of Jesus, that he didn't come into the world to condemn people, to walk up to people and go, you're guilty, you deserve to die. You're guilty, you deserve to die. All he does in this moment is he brings everybody to that side of the line, he puts him on this side of the line, and then he goes like this. He goes like Red Rover. Like, if you want to have a relationship with me, come on over. Come on over. While you're a sinner... While you've rejected uh, what God has offered you up to this point, I want to ask you one more time, and he's doing that to you this morning. I want to ask you one more time, will you just, you just come over here and just have a relationship with me? You see, some people believe that God condemns. Some people believe that God sends people to eternity of hell. Some people believe that. That's not what the Bible teaches. Jesus doesn't condemn. Look what it says. Neither do I condemn you. Now, was she worthy of condemnation? If there ever was someone that was, it was her. But Jesus doesn't. Jesus goes, I don't condemn you. Let me just, just real quick, just to, to shape your, your, your theological concept of God. Jesus doesn't condemn sinners. He defends sinners. Jesus doesn't condemn sinners. He defends them. It's the opposite. See, if you have a view of Jesus that he comes along to point out the sins of everybody and go, now you guys are separate from me. No, no, no. He goes, I want you to understand your problem and then I want to be the solution to your problem. I'm not calling you guilty and you can't come back on this side of the line with me. I want to invite you on the back side of this li uh, the line with me. I want to have a relationship with you forever. I'm not condemning you. You might have this idea that Jesus doesn't love. How can you take that, that sentence, neither do I condemn you, and put that in your mind that maybe Jesus has a limit to his love, to his grace, forgiveness, and humility the same way that we do. He has no limit. He has no limit. He offers it to everyone. See, Jesus doesn't condemn anyone. Jesus doesn't condemn anyone. Here's what happens. Some of you are going, whoa, whoa, whoa. I thought that like people, you know, ended up separate from God and they have to. Here's the deal. The Bible teaches very, very clearly that God and who he is is obvious. And that Jesus Christ, when he's communicated to people, he offers an opportunity to have eternal life. And Jesus does not pull back his offering from anyone. He says, you can have a relationship with me. Anyone can have a relationship with me. No matter how many you've done, there's no limit to my grace, to my forgiveness, to my humility. There's no limit. I love you. But what happens is, is people 
reject the gift of God. You see, Jesus doesn't condemn anybody, but Jesus offers the same thing he offered to the adulterous woman, he offers to all of us, he offers to me. Hey, are, are you any worse? Are you any better? No, you're not. Do you, do you wanna have a relationship with me? Then come on, I don't condemn you either. You see, in this moment, in the narrative, it's almost like Jesus like, holds out his hand and goes like this. Have they condemned you? No, sir, no one. Neither do I. And I could. But I don't. I don't condemn you. And what you have to understand is when the Bible talks about Jesus being jealous, in that moment, you see, you think that he's standing there going, she would be smart to come and follow me. And actually what's happening is Jesus in his heart is going, I hope she comes and follows me so much. I'm not gonna make her. I'm gonna tell her I love her. I'm gonna have a relationship with her. Jesus, God, doesn't send people to eternity separate from himself. People reject the overwhelming gift of God from the one person who has the right to condemn, the perfect Son of God, who at that moment withholds and says, here. Now, what does that mean for us? If Christianity or Christ following is supposed to look like Jesus, then you have to ask a really hard question this morning. What is the extent of your grace? What is the extent of your forgiveness? What is the extent of your humility in understanding who God is and who you are? Does, does it have an end? Come on, it has it, right? Like you came in with it, like you couldn't forgive, you couldn't give grace, you couldn't be humble, you couldn't, I couldn't. Until I go back and look at this story and I see that there's one guy without sin who didn't condemn, I'm going, man, I have sin and I condemn. What is really going on in our hearts after church last week, when I talked about this for the first time, a guy came up to me, and he was basically saying that, like, there's a limit. Hey, when someone does this stuff, that's too much for God to accept. Now, that is not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that there's really one unforgivable sin. You know what it is? Rejection of the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit gets offered to you, and then you push God away, you push Jesus away, and he goes, I don't care what you did, I don't care how far you've gone, come on, take my hand, come over here, I have no limit to my grace, I have no limit to this forgiveness that I'm offering to you, come on, come on, come on, and then you go, no. That's all the Bible teaches, rejection of the Holy Spirit, that's it, and we have to ask ourselves, do we have a line, where is it, are we gonna forgive people? Now, I'm not talking about Boundaries. I'm not talking about safety. I'm not talking about keeping yourself away from someone that's hurting you or taking advantage of you. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about our hearts. Because what happens is most of us just sound off of this stuff in no context, in a vacuum. That person and that person and that person and that person and I have no, no grace for them and, and that's the end of my grace and here's where my line ends. You see, the thing about Jesus is he sees people differently than we see people. 
You see, we live in this world where we're constantly comparing ourselves to other people. We're constantly trying to figure out how we're better than them, how we can one-up them, how we can have, a, you know, just, just, a, just ahead of the game, how we can just be the best version of ourselves and win and be successful and survive. And so we, we constantly look at other people and we try to find their flaws and we live off of other people's flaws. That's what's happening in the standoff. The Pharisees are living off of this woman's flaws and then Jesus goes, you got the same ones. And Jesus sees people completely different. You see, he's perfectly holy and he doesn't have any flaws, so he's not playing the comparison game. He's literally just looking at you for you and he's looking at me for me. And it would do us really well to start to look at people the way that Jesus looked at people. You see, when he sees the woman caught in adultery, he sees something really special. He sees something really sweet. He sees something really great. He sees this opportunity. He sees a woman that has so much more potential. He's completely different than you and me. It's like the antique road show. You know, when, when somebody comes in, I watched it one time, and I just flipped through, and I promise I don't, I don't TiVo it or record it. Like, that would, I'm embarrassed for anyone that does that. But I... I, I turned it on and this person had this like pot, right? It was just this like clay pot and the person sold it and bought it for $10 at a garage sale. And then, and then the genius, right, from the other side of the world came over and he dusted it off and he looked at it and when he saw it, he went, oh man, this is precious. And the person that, that sold it or, or had it for, for $10 was sitting there kind of watching and as this person looked at it, you could tell that the way that they looked at it and the way that the expert looked at it was completely different. And they dusted the whole thing off and they got past just a little bit of the dirt, a little bit of the dust, and when they revealed what it really was, the guy said, this thing is worth $10,000. And then the person that owned it went, whoa, this is really special. And they started to treat it differently. That's the way God views every one of us, the way he views this woman. This woman is caught, and for us, we go, no, I don't have any more. And Jesus goes, oh, but there's so much potential. There's so much potential behind what this person's problem that we see is. Jesus is the one without sin, and he doesn't condemn. It would do us well to kind of look at people and go, you know, I have sin, how can I condemn? I'm just as dirty. I have a little bit of smudge and junk in my life too, but God calls me valuable and he calls every person valuable. Somebody recently told me a story, um, someone that works in the hospital told me a story of how a, uh, a young lady was dropped off at the hospital and she had a gunshot wound. And when this person came to, into the, to the hospital, everyone in the hospital was just like, yep, it's just another one of them. Another one of them. This person had to be associated with gang violence. And as soon as this girl came in, everyone was just like, here we go. We have to keep this person living who's probably out causing all this pain and all this trouble for everybody else. And immediately they just judged this person. This person told me this story in total vulnerability. We just judged this person. We just kind of condemned this person. This person was guilty. This person was just not good. Like they're living this life and she probably got shot because she deserved it. And everyone looked. And as they're wheeling her back to the hospital room, uh, this, uh, the doctors were like, what's your name? What's your name? And the girl kept saying, anonymous. 
anonymous. And then they're just like, see, she's just trying to protect the gangbangers. Just, she just comes from that filthy, nasty part of the world that, that nobody loves. And, and she won't even tell us her name because she, even though she's being hurt by certain gangs and gangbangers, she, she won't even say her name because she doesn't, she doesn't want to throw the people that hurt her under the bus. And the doctors and nurses kept asking, like, what, no, can you tell us your name? She just kept saying, anonymous. Anonymous is, and she, she couldn't believe it. The doctors were getting frustrated. She was like, is your mom here? Is your mom here? And for some reason, the mom heard about what happened and was in the waiting room. And this doctor that I know went out and talked to the mom and said, you know, hey, your daughter's back there. We got her stabilized. But like, could you just like tell us what her name is? And the mom looked at her and said, her name is anonymous. And the doctor went, and was overwhelmed, taken back. This girl was a product of a horrific context. Her mom and dad didn't even give her a real name. She was unimportant and not valuable to the world that she lived in. And what happened is, is she was in a park and she was getting raped and she ran away. Her best friend saw it and the guy shot her. A no-name girl who got dropped off at the hospital and everybody looked at that person and as soon as they saw that person, they went, I don't, I don't have any more grace for this. I don't have any humility for this. I don't have any forgiveness. You're a product of your own devices. You're your own problem. And as a Christ follower, this person hit their limit. And I've been there. Have you been there? Where you, you have this limit, you're just, like, you're just like, I love Jesus, but like I don't have all the grace in the world. I have. Jesus is the one who could stand off across from all of us and go, I am perfect, so you deserve it. And he doesn't. The one with no sin doesn't condemn. Jesus saw the value we have to see the value in people. We have to look beyond that, that thing that they stepped across the line. I mean, if there was something, she did it, and Jesus went, no, 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 no. Do they condemn you? Neither do I. Where is your heart? Where is your mind this morning for people? If we are truly followers of Christ, then when we get to that place where grace seems to have ended, where forgiveness seems to have ended, where humility goes away and pride swells, there has to be something that we do. We have to start to think of life differently. We have to go to God and say, God, I'm at my end. I feel like I have nothing else to give. And you gotta go back to this story and go, Jesus, you didn't condemn someone who deserved it. How could I? How could I? Jesus cuts right to the heart. That's what this is about. That's what the standoff is about. I want you to please like hang in with me because next week I'm gonna talk about kind of how our lives are supposed to change. And see, the story of John 8, 1 through 11, what happens is Jesus ends with this one statement and then he he brings this person into a new future. And see, what happens is a lot of us start where Jesus ended, 
And so that's why we haven't talked about it yet, but next week I want to talk about something that is radical, that will change people's lives. If you can just go through the process with people the way that Jesus did. Go through the process. I want to just ask you to pray with me this morning. Um, I want to ask that you would have the cap removed from the amount of grace, the amount of forgiveness, and the amount of humility you could have. Could we just pray that together this morning? Let's just pray. Father, this morning we come before you, and you have no limit to your grace. You have no limit to your, hu- your humility and, and your forgiveness for us. And God, we, we confess to you this morning that we all have a limit. And it may just be a result of our brokenness. It may just be a result of our lives and and who we are and and our inability to do what you do. We're so broken and we're so frustrated in that that that, that maybe, God, that's why we, we have a limit. But I think, God, that some of us choose to have a limit. And I just pray right now that you would, like, push that limit further away from some of us right now. That we would start to view people the way that you view people. That you would, you would just transform our eyes to see that, like, the heart of God is to not condemn. That you don't reject us, but that people reject you. And that's it, God. That's it. You have no limit. Help us to change our minds and our hearts about the people around us. God, I pray right now that if there's uh, someone in this room who feels like they are uh, victimized by people's limits, God, I pray that your spirit would just, you, you would show them who you are right now. That, that you would speak to them right now and, and say to them, but I don't have a limit. But I don't have a limit. I know you think you've gone too far, but I forgive you and I don't condemn you. I love you. There's no end to my grace. There's no end to my forgiveness. I will serve you humbly as your king. I am here for you. I pray for the people in the room right now that just have found themselves constantly bringing a grid of judgment to the world around them. God, that you would change their hearts. That they would have this moment in their heart of humility where they go, oh man, the one without sin doesn't condemn and I do it all the time. I do it all the time. Help us to just swim in this radical grace, this limitless, limitless forgiveness, and to be moved by the king of humility. We love you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.